your word, Lord. Uh, we don't have to be long tonight. I don't want to be long tonight, but Lord, I pray that you would please move in me, help me as we look at these verses, Lord, to help the people. Lord, I, you know I can't help them. You know I, I can't say anything that would move in them, that would help them or challenge them or encourage them, but uh, your Holy Spirit can. And I just ask that you please help me. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well we're there in chapter number 9 of Exodus. And we're right in the middle of the plagues. The, all the plagues there of Egypt. And we went through and looked at... Spent the previous two chapters dealing with the plagues. And we continue on... And I, you know, I, I've got to ask this question when I when I read this. I've got to ask the question: Why is it that God prolonged this so long? I mean, ten separate plagues, ten different things. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that once we get to that last plague. But you know, one thing we can gather from this passage is as we as we just watch God pour out His wrath is that we really begin to learn about God. Number one but also about the people that and how they act and react and the actions that come about God's dealing with those people. If you look at verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. You notice, God is not asking. God is not politely sending a memo. God is, not, God is very demanding when He says, Go and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And in verse 2 it says, For if thou refuse to let them go, and notice the last phrase of verse number 2, it says, And will hold them still. And really that's what Pharaoh was doing. God had commanded the children of Israel, we talked about it last week, but we'll talk about it again. He, he, he had Moses make that famous statement. Remember we talked about it last week? Moses made that famous statement, Let my people go. And we talked about how God, that meant to bring them out of the bondage, bring them out of the world. But he said that, he said, Let my people go last part of verse number 1, that they may serve me. See, that's God's call. God's call for every single one of us is to not just let the people go out of bondage, out of Egypt, out of the world, out of sin, but to serve God. That's your calling. You say, you know, oftentimes people have this question. They, they ask, what is God's will for my life? You know, I, I can't tell you specifically, you know, what God, you know, we get so wrapped up in who, who am I supposed to marry and who am I supposed to, you know, where am I supposed to live and where, you know, honestly, I don't believe God really has details like that in, for your life. Honestly, I don't believe that. I, you know, uh, I was always taught as a kid growing up, you know, God has a specific person in your life He wants you to marry, and you've got to marry that person. If you don't marry that person, you miss God's will for your life. I don't believe that for one bit. You know, I think God gives us decisions and choices. We make choices. Um, you know, God, you know, you, and sometimes people get right I married the wrong person and you think your life is ruined. Look, whoever you're married to today, that's God's will for your life. And if you're not married, then just choose someone you want to be married. Choose someone who's married, you know, who's godly, who's safe, whatever. But the point I'm trying to tell you is this. God's overwhelming will for your life is this, that you serve Him. Okay? And you say, well, I married the wrong person. You may have. Well, I, I, I did the wrong thing. You may have. Children too young. You may have. Well, I got into debt and I got all these financial burdens. You may have, but whatever your life is, or you can say, My life is great. I married the perfect person and I'm living the perfect life and I've got all the money. You know, whatever it is, God's will for your life. 
me. That's God's will. And by the way, sitting in church, we talked about this last Sunday night, but sitting in church and being a spectator of the ministry is not serving God. That's watching other people serve God. It's watching other people bring visitors to church. It's watching other people get people to God's will is that you get up, that you serve. The word serve means to work. You ever heard of a servant? If you got a servant, if you paid someone, you know, like a butler, would you just let him lay around and get, oh yeah, you want to get up at 11.30 every day? No problem, I'll make my own breakfast. <laughs> if you got a butler, would you say that? We're God's servants. And we're supposed to serve Him. But, let me show you, but I said I'll have to say this, look at verse 2. We see Pharaoh's agenda. And we'll see more of Pharaoh's agenda as we go on. But God calls him out and he says, For if thou refuse to let them go, and he says, You know, Pharaoh, I keep telling you, let my people go. I keep telling you, let my people go. I keep telling you, let my people go. You keep saying you're going to do it and then you change your mind. And he says, Here's what you're doing, Pharaoh. He says, And we'll hold them still. And let me tell you something. That is the agenda of the world, the agenda of the devil. The agenda of, of your enemy is to hold you still. You say, what are you talking about? Remember, uh, go, go real quickly with me. Go, go to Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews chapter number 12 in your New Testament. I, I preached an entire sermon on this uh, recently, so I'm not going to do it again. But go to Hebrews chapter number 12. Hebrews chapter number 12. And look at verse... See if I can find it real quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verse number 1. Hebrews 12, 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, I preached a whole sermon on this, I don't want to do it again uh, just a few weeks ago, but, but this, is, this is, you know, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, look at this, let us lay aside every weight, and the sin which does so easily beset us. And the last part of verse number 1 says, And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The Bible oftentimes uses... Uh, the analogy of, of going out and running a race or going and doing something. The analogy of, of, uh, uh, of, of running and finishing. Paul said, I finished my course. He talked about running his race. And, but here's the agenda of the world. They want to stop you from running. Uh, and the New Testament tells us that Paul said to Christians, he said, ye did run well. Who did hinder you? And, and that's the same thing that Pharaoh's doing. Go back to Exodus chapter number, uh, what chapter are we in? Nine? <laughs> the Bible says in verse 2, For if thou refuse to let them go, look what he says, and will hold them still. See, whenever, let me tell you something. When you're getting ready for church on Wednesday night, and it's, and it's you know, 6.15, and you're getting dressed, whatever, and, and somebody calls you, some family member calls you, and says, Hey, I was coming over. I, I'm, just, I'm coming in and out. It's coming over. Let's play Monopoly. And you got that, and you got that, uh, you know, because you know how much you love Napoli. <laughs> and you got that, um, that temptation to be like, ah, I wasn't gonna go to church. You know what? You know, you know what they're doing. You know what they're trying to do. And I'm not saying that person specifically, but you know what the devil has used that person to do. Here's what they're doing. They're trying to hold you still. They're trying to hold you back. You say, Pastor, I had I had every plan in the world to go slow winning on Saturday. What happened? Well, you know, I. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I have to go grocery shopping. It's like, well, you can go grocery shopping any day of the week. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't, let me break it down to you. Because uh, we, we, we used to have this person come to this church who had all sorts of health issues. And uh, this person was unemployed. 
And I'm not against people that are unemployed. Actually, I am. But anyway, uh, you know, I'm against laziness. How about that? But but you know, this person was unemployed. I'm not only that against them. But but they would always they they, they would they they're oftentimes they they could not come to church on Wednesday night or, or even on Sunday. And they would there's an excuse they say, man, you know, they were like I, on Wednesday night they would they would say I was out in the garden all day. I was just pulling weeds and, and, and doing this, and it's just I'm in too much pain. I can't come to church on Wednesday. Night. And this is what I always talk to myself. I thought to myself, you don't work. <laughs> Why do you choose Wednesday afternoon to do your gardening if you know you've got health issues? I mean, you could do it on Monday or Tuesday or Thursday or Saturday or Friday or any day. But we have this idea where we, where we do things and, and oftentimes, let me tell you something, the world is trying to hold you back. The pharaohs of this world are trying to hold you back. You say, I'm going to read my Bible. The pharaohs of this world are going to hold you back. You say, I'm going uh, to pray every day. The pharaohs of this world are going to hold you back. You say, I'm, I'm going to They'll make sure you, 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 you don't have the time to do the things you need to do. And that's the agenda of the world. And if you let them stop you, they will stop you every time. Listen, all the devil needs to know is what button to push to stop you, and you'll push that button every time. You say, Pat, you, let me tell you something. If, if, my, if, I, if I woke up on Sunday morning and my car was missing, I'd still go to church. Say, why? Because if the devil knows that's what it takes to stop me, Guess what? Next time I buy a car, it'll be missing. <laughs> if he knows what it takes, well, as soon as he knows what it takes to stop you, he'll just push that button every single time, every single time, every single time. That's the agenda. Verse 2, for if thou refuse to let them go, and will hold them still. See, God wants you to go. God wants you to run. God wants you to do. God wants you to serve. He wants you to accomplish. And Pharaoh just wants to hold them still. Look at verse 3. He says, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thy cattle, which is in the field. Upon the horses, upon the asses, upon the camels, upon the oxen, upon the sheep, there shall be a grievous moraine. That word, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that word right, but it means, uh, it's just talking about various diseases on cattle. And the Lord shall sever between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt, and there shall nothing die that is the children of Israel. And the Lord appointed a set time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord shall do this thing in the land. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow. And all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. Now, do you remember we had talked about, and this isn't in the Bible, but remember we talked about the attacks were told, history tells us, that the plagues that God had brought upon the children of Israel were actually ten different attacks upon their God, the, the lowercase g gods of Egypt. If you remember, we talked about Egypt was polytheistic. They worshipped multiple gods. And every single one of those gods, God, Jehovah, attacked those gods. And here, with each one of those plagues, and here we find a plague where God kills the cattle uh, um, of the children of Israel, but doesn't kill the cattle of uh, the children of Israel. And the Egyptians, history tells us, there's a god named Hathor, who was the Egyptian goddess of love and protection. This is the god they would worship and pray in order to protect them from things like death, from things like this. So then God would come and say, you know what? Here, here's what God did. And it was very important that He made a difference. Because God said, I will kill the cattle of the children of Israel and I'll protect the cattle of the children, I'm sorry, he said, I'll kill the cattle of the children of Egypt and protect the cattle of the children of Israel. And this is what God, now they had a God, they worshipped that would protect them. And here's what God was saying, I'm more powerful than your God of protection. I, I, I 
protect whom I choose to protect. He says, I can kill your cattle, and I can kill their cattle just as easily. But if I choose to protect their cattle, he said, that no other God can do that. No other God can stop me. Let me tell you something. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that safety is of the Lord. And we've got to trust in the Lord. Today, people are so wound up about the health care issue. Obamacare. You know, everybody's so worried about, Obama's going to give me health care. Obama's going to take care of this. Obama's going to, let me tell you something. Don't, you know, you say, I got health care, I don't have health Don't worry about it. Safety's of the Lord. Well, I'm not saying go run out on the highway, you know, play hopscotch on the freeway. You know, don't do something stupid. But hey, you know, people get so wrapped up. We do so many dumb things because of this one word, fear. We're afraid of everything. Where, well, what am, what am I going to do without uh, health care? I don't know. Live? <laughs> Eat healthy, exercise, and hope for the best, and trust in the Lord with all thine heart? See, God is the God of protection. And God chooses who He protects. And God says, I'm going to kill all your cattle. But He says, in this little town here, Goshen, you know where my people are? Their cattle's going to be fine. Look what happens. Look at verse 6. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow, and all the cattle of Egypt died. But of the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one, look what he said, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead. See, God protects whom He chooses to protect. And by the way, let me tell you this. Everything that happens in your life is filtered through God. Do you understand what I mean by that? Nothing happens in your life without, nothing catches God by surprise. Everything that happens, happens because God knows about it. God allowed it. God can protect you if He chooses to. And if He didn't choose to, that was His choice. You just got to trust in Him. Look at verse 7. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the children of Israel dead. Look at the response. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. And he did not let the people go. And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handfuls of ashes of the furnace, and let Moses sprinkle it toward the heaven in the sight of Pharaoh. So here we find uh, another plague. Now this plague is interesting because God doesn't have them warn him. They just said, uh, He just said, Go and do this. Verse 8, And the Lord said unto Moses and unto Aaron, Take to you handful of ashes. So they went to the furnace, uh, of the furnace. So they went to like a... a, a, a chimney or something like that, and they grab, you know, and they grab all these ashes, and it says, and let Moses sprinkle it toward heaven in the sight of Pharaoh, so Moses goes towards, when he's face to face with Pharaoh, and he takes all the ashes, he just throws them in the air, this would have been a cool thing, I, I would have loved to be Moses, you know, doing all these wonders, he just takes all the ashes, throws them in the air, you can just imagine how it created like a little black cloud right above him. And the Bible says in verse 9, And it, those ashes that he threw in the air, and it shall become small dust in all the land of Egypt, and shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Remember I told you, when we started going through the plagues, every plague got progressively worse and worse and worse. Here we find that God kills their cattle. That's their finances. But now God is dealing with their health. And they took ashes, verse 10, of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven. And it became a boil breaking forth with blames upon uh, man and upon beast. The Egyptians, history tells us, had a uh, god named Isis. And that was the goddess of medicine and peace. So now we find God attacking another one of their idols... And saying, oh, you've got a God of medicine? Here, let me give you all a disease. Let's see if, he can, if, he, if that God can fix it. Look at verse 11. Remember, 
It says, and the magicians. Remember the magicians? Remember we've been talking about the magicians? Remember uh, Moses goes to Pharaoh for the first time, takes his rod, throws it on the ground, turns it into a serpent, and then Pharaoh calls for the magicians, the magicians come, take their rod, throw it on the ground, and they do the same thing. Remember as they did the play, they did the different uh, uh, things there, Moses turns water into, oh, uh, water into wine, good night, that's Jesus Christ, by the way, uh, turns the water into blood. <laughs> hey, that's a good sermon, I should preach that one day. And, uh, and, and then the magicians come and they turn the water into blood. And they did all those different things. And eventually it came to the place where they said, this is the finger of God. And they said, we can't duplicate this. They, it came to the point where they, their power could not match the power of God. Well, now look, it's very interesting because it gets worse for them. Look at verse number uh, 11. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils. For the boils was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. So the magicians, who were the ones who were saying, Oh no, don't worry about Moses, look, we can duplicate it. Now they can't even go meet with Moses because they're home sick because of the boils. And then I'd be asking this question, What about your God Isis? <laughs> the God of medicine. The God of peace. Look at verse 11. Actually, verse 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. I don't know if you've noticed this. I'm not going to deal with it tonight. We'll deal with it in a couple of weeks probably. But all throughout scripture, all throughout this, you find, you find these phrases, okay? You find the Lord hardening the heart of Pharaoh. You find Pharaoh hardening his own heart. And then you also find, uh, I didn't point this out, but in verse 7, the last part of verse 7 says, And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Which is very interesting. Because you find the Lord hardening the heart of Pharaoh. You find Pharaoh hardening his own heart. But then you just find his heart being hardened based on the circumstances around you. You know, all those things could affect you. But in verse 12 it says, And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had spoken unto Moses. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Look at verse 14. For I will at this time send all my plagues. Look what it says. God's saying, I'm going to send all my plagues upon thine... Do you see the next word? It says heart. Do you see that? So let me tell you something. God is dealing. And God deals with our hearts. God moves in circumstances around our lives. God deals with people around our lives. God deals with punishments and plagues and wonders around our heart, uh, around our lives to deal with this one thing, our hearts. The whole time we've been dealing with the plagues and God dealing with Pharaoh, He's dealing with the, you say, with the entire nation of Egypt, yes, but He's dealing with the entire nation to get to one man's heart. Isn't it interesting? Look at verse 14. For I will at this time send all my plagues upon thine. Look what he says. Heart. But notice, when he deals with one man's heart, look what it says. And upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. Look at verse 15. For now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee, that's singular, and thy people with the pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. you got to understand something. When God is dealing with you, and God is dealing with me, so, well, God's dealing with my heart, yeah. But when He deals with your heart, oftentimes it affects those around you. You understand that? God was dealing with Pharaoh's heart, but when He was dealing with Pharaoh's heart, everybody else had frogs in their oven. When He was dealing with Pharaoh's heart, everybody else's cattle died. When He was dealing with Pharaoh's heart, everybody else got 
boils and got, and got swarms of flies and, and, and couldn't drink, the, drink the, the water from the river. Do you understand that? Oftentimes we think that, well, uh, you know, I've got sin in my life. Or I've got things that, 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 that God is dealing with. God's trying to uh, get me to do something or not do something. And, and God deals with you and you say, well, it's only affecting me. Let me tell you something. None of us live on an island. Everything that we do affects other people. And when God deals with you, bomb, obviously it affects your children. When God deals with you, dad, sometimes it affects your kids. When God deals with you, it affects those around you. Look, God deals with you. You quit coming to church. There's going to be people, you know, every time someone quits church, I've got to explain to 15 other people what happens to so-and-so. And you think, well, my life doesn't affect it. It affects other people. It encourages other people. Look, I, I walked into church tonight dead tired in my eye. I saw this group of people and I thought, praise the Lord that there's people who come to church on Wednesday night. That affected me. But, you know, would it have been the same thing if I walked in there was three of you? No, look, praise the Lord for three of you, but... Your attendance and your life and your, your, your testimony affects other people. And when God has to deal with your heart, often it affects your servants and the people around you. The Bible is very clear there that God, look at verse 14. He says, for I will at this time send all my plagues. All, he says, all my plagues, all ten plagues have to do with this one thing, thine heart. But he says, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, that thou mayest know that there is none like me in all the earth. For, I, for now I will stretch out my hand, that I may smite thee and thy people with pestilence, and thou shalt be cut off from the earth. Look at verse 16. And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power, and that my name may declare throughout all the earth. Now, I, I, need, I want you to understand this. God, because sometimes people think God is picking on Pharaoh. God did not harden Pharaoh's heart against his will so that he could make of him an example. God chose a person who already had their heart hardened and raised them up to make an example. Let me tell you something. God does not, look, God is the God of, of the second chance sometimes, but he's not necessarily the God of the third and fourth and fifth chance. You harden your heart, and you harden your heart, and you harden your heart. And there does come a time when God said, when God looked down at this man, Pharaoh, and he said, the only thing I can use him for is to raise him up to make him an example. That is not the place in life where you want to be. All of us can be an example. Some of us a good example, and other of us a bad example. And let me tell you something, you might want to be very careful, you know, every time you hear the Word of God preached, and you hear, you hear the Bible, you know, you read the Bible, you come to church, and something's preached, and anytime something hits you, every time the Holy Spirit says, hey, that's for you, and you say, uh, I'm not going to deal with that right now. And you harden that heart, you know, I call it, or I don't call it, I used to go to church where the pastor called it, pitchfork Christianity, where the pastor, the pastor preaches something, and, and you're like, you're, you're, you take a pitchfork, you're like, I'm not, I mean, that's for you. The pastor, you know, the pastor says, you gotta come to church. And you say, so-and-so. <laughs> now, that's not a good attitude. You gotta, you gotta pray, and you're like, yeah, yeah, pastor, you get them. No, you, that's for you. <laughs> you know, we ought not have this attitude of, well, yeah, yeah, that's good for them, and that's good for that. Hey, you getting that? You know, so often, I, it's, it's embarrassing, really. But I'll be preaching on the family, or something. And husbands and wives, and, and, and husbands and wives. I'm like, wives, submit unto your own husband. And the husband's like, get that. 
And I'll be like, like guys, you know how to go to work and, and provide for your family. And the wife be like, you get that. You know, like that's not your job. It's not your job to be like, well, here, 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 hey, kid, you get that? You get that, kid? You know, hey, look, no, you get it. You don't hurt in your heart. It's for you. The pl- you say, it's like a plague. The preaching's like a plague. It's for your heart. That's why God's dealing with it. But sometimes people's hearts get so hard in that God says this, all I have used, the only thing I can use you for is to make you an example. You live your life in sin, and you live your, you know, you, especially you, you, uh, older kids. Let me tell you something. You older teenagers that are here, you go ahead and step out of here and, and live a life of sin, and live a life of fornication, and drink alcohol, and do drugs, and you set that example for these younger people. Let me tell you something. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And if God says, I can't use you to be a good example, fine, I'll use you to be a bad example. You want to see what I Son. You understand what I'm saying? Pharaoh had gone to the place in his heart where the Bible says in verse 16, This is what God said, And in very deed, for this cause have I raised thee up, for to show in thee my power. Let me tell you something. Pharaoh probably thought, Man, God must like me. Up before he met Moses, I'm Pharaoh, I'm the most powerful man, I've got everything going for me. God says, The only reason I brought you high is so that everybody could see when I bring you down. And that is a bad place to be in life. Look at verse 17. He says, I've done all this to you, Pharaoh, and yet exaltest thou thyself against my people, but thou wilt not let them go. Man, how, how arrogant do you have to be? All these plagues and you just don't get it. Look at verse 18. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause it to rain a very grievous hail, such as has not been in Egypt since the foundation thereof even until now. Send therefore now, and gather thy cattle, and all that thou hast in the field, for upon every man and beast which shall be found in the field, and shall not be brought home, the hail shall come down upon them, and they shall die. So he brings down the, the hail there of rain, and uh, the, the, the plague of the hail of rain, and all that, and, and the, the fire. The Egyptians had a god named uh, Nut, goddess of the sky. And God is again showing them who actually is in control of the sky. But I want you to notice, look at verse 20. Very interesting. Because Pharaoh keeps hardening his heart, hardening his heart. But the Bible says in verse 20, He that feared, look what it says, He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh. Notice, we're not talking about the children of Israel. He that feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses. And he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. Very interesting. The children of Israel, through this whole fiasco of the plagues, some of the, of, of the, of the Egyptians, not Israelites, but Egyptians, had decided in their heart, you know what, forget Pharaoh, I fear the word of the Lord. And if Moses says, hail's coming, I'm going to bring my cattle in. That's very good. People were learning. It says, he that feared the word, but I want you to notice this, he that feared the, notice this, the word of the Lord. See, that's what it's all about. It's about the word of the Lord. It's about the Bible. 
You say, well, what's the word of the Lord today? The Bible. God was speaking through Moses at this time. Say, how does God speak today? He speaks through His Word, right here. The Bible. And let me tell you something. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the, uh, the, the, the bone and marrow of the heart. Yeah, I'm probably misquoting that. But the Bible is what has the power. You know, that's why at Verity Baptist Church, we preach the Bible. We don't preach, you know, we don't read three verses and then I give you 45 minutes of my opinion. We read, I mean, we're going through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. When we, when we preach topical sermons, we're going through 50, 70 different verses. We're preaching God's Word because that's the power. That's why when we go so many, we're not sitting there explaining to you the gospel. We're showing you the gospel from the Bible. Because that's the, that's the power. I can't preach you the gospel. I can't explain it to you. I gotta show it to you from the Bible. That's what gives us the power. And the Bible says, He that feared not Moses, but the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his cattle flee into the houses, and he that regarded not the word of the Lord left his servants and his cattle in the field. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch forth thine hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, upon man, upon beast, upon every herb of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire ran along upon the ground, and the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. That must have been quite a sight to see that. Just the, could you imagine the thunder, the rain, and just hail coming down with fire and just destroying Egypt? Look at verse 24. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. I mean, I, I don't, I've been in a lot of storms, but I, I've never seen hail come down and fire mingled with, I mean, it's just balls of ice and fire <laughs> coming down upon you. Very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. And here's the thing that we learn from these plagues too. If you study the book of Revelation, the plagues in the book of Exodus are very similar to the plagues in the end times that God's going to bring down. Let me say something, God is a very powerful God. Verse 25, And the hail smote throughout all the land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail smote every herb of the field, and brake every tree of the field. I mean, the trees were destroyed. Verse 26, I love it. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, was there no hail. If I was, where would you want to be? You know, if I was an Egyptian, I'd just go hang out with the Israelites. I just denounced my citizenship of Egypt. Said, I'm just going to be a Jew. <laughs> and Pharaoh sent and called for Moses. And Aaron and said unto them, Now look, this sounds really good. I have sinned this time. Now, for, I, I swear, this time? <laughs> uh, this isn't the first play, Pharaoh. But he says, And I have sinned this time. Look, he says, The Lord is righteous, and I and my people are wicked. Doesn't that sound good? Now look, Pharaoh's not going to get right with God at this time. You know that. But he, he's, man, he talks real good. Let me tell you something. Talk is cheap. So often people, you know, people want to say what I'm going to do. I, I wish we'd stop saying what we're going to do and we just start doing it. You know, some people will say, I'm going to go get, I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go get a job. I'm going to go get a job. Pastor, I'm going to go get a job. And I'm like, go get a job. <laughs> go. Man, man Pastor, I, I'm going I'm to do this. You know, I, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of this. And it's like, take care of it. Could have taken care of it four times by now. But you know, so often we say, ah, you know, I'm wicked and righteous and you're God and my people and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, Pharaoh, your heart is still hardest. Remember the, remember the parable that Jesus gave? 
where there was two sons, and the father said to the sons, go, go do this, go work in the field, or whatever it was. And one of them said, I will not go, and then felt bad and went. And the other said, I will go, and did not go. And Jesus said there was more value in the one who said he wouldn't go, and just did it anyway. Let me tell you something. Talk is very cheap. You know, I, we, I used to have a youth pastor who, who would often say, your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. <laughs> and if you would get out there and just walk, you would, you, if, look, you don't have to tell me you're going to go soul winning if you show up for soul Because guess what? When you go soul winning, I know you're soul winning. <laughs> but, you know, we all, I'm going to go soul winning and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to raise my, you just do it. Pharaoh says, I have sinned this time, the Lord is righteous and I and my people are wicked. Verse 28, entreat the Lord, for it is enough, that there be no more mighty thunderings and hail, and I will let you go, and ye shall stay no longer. And Moses said unto him, as soon as I am gone. Now notice, I want you to notice verse 29. And, and you've got to understand Moses, and don't judge Moses. But Moses has a really bad attitude at this point. And notice, remember the first time Pharaoh said, entreat the Lord. Remember what Moses said? He said this, glory over me. He was so excited. Like, praise the Lord. You know, Pharaoh's going to get right with God. And he's going to let the children of Israel go. But look at his response now. I mean, Pharaoh said the most amazing words that have ever came out of his mouth. And verse 29, and Moses said unto him, he said, as soon as I am gone out of the city, I will spread abroad my hands unto the Lord. And the thunder shall cease, neither shall there be any more hail, that thou mayest know how the earth is the Lord's. Look at verse 30. But as for thee and thy servants, I know that ye will not yet fear the Lord God. Notice that, can you just imagine it? I, mean, I, just, I just imagine Moses very defeated at this time. You say, well, why is he defeated? Well, here's the thing, you've got to understand this, okay? If you're going to serve God, and you're actually going to get out there and, and start being used of God, it can become very discouraging to just work for God, work for God, work for God, have mighty powers done, and just see nothing happen. I mean, Pharaoh acknowledges that the power of God is on Moses' life, Pharaoh acknowledges, he says, he goes to Moses every time and says, Moses, can you pray to God? Can you treat the Lord that the frogs go away, that the, that the hail stops, that, that, you know, all these things, just make them go away. But every time, nothing happens, nothing changes. And this time I can just imagine. See, it all goes with the same, the same thing. You know, I, I think, I praise God, and don't, don't misunderstand, I'm not, I'm not rebuking you. I praise God. That so many of you are so encouraging. Sometimes I'll preach a sermon and you guys are like, Pastor, that, that sermon was so uh, encouraging to me. And, and praise the Lord for it. I need that. You know, don't stop that. I, I, I thank you for that. But let me tell you something. Don't say that and then not change. Don't say that and, and, and say, uh, you know, I, I have sinned in this time. The Lord is righteous and my people are wicked. And then not do anything. Because the man of God, Moses, was there and he's like, whatever. Okay. You know, and, and it just comes to the point. It comes to the point where, where you know, we ought to have this attitude where, where our, there used to be a time in this country where you said something and, and, and people just took that. You have to write all these contracts. And, like, you know, you just shook hands and you said, hey, I'll be here. And they were there. You say, well, what is that? That's character. But we, we're losing that. And you ought to, and, and you can just sense it here with Moses. He's like, okay, fair, whatever. He says, I'll, I'll go. He says, when I get out of the city, I'll shake my hands up and God will make a stop, but I know you. And that's a sad commentary on Pharaoh's life. Let that not be a commentary in our lives. Look at verse 31. And the flax and the barley was smitten, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was bold. 
But the wheat and the rye were not smitten, for they were not grown up. And Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh, and spread abroad his hands unto the Lord. And the thunders and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured upon the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. I want you to notice that. We're almost done, I promise. I just want you to see this. Throughout this chapter, we've noticed these things. When God was dealing with Pharaoh's heart, his servants suffered because of it. When God poured out the, the, the hail and the, and the fire and all that, some of his servants who feared the word of the Lord said, hey, I'm going to put my cattle in and, and let the children, and everybody else did it, and, and they saved their lives. But now in verse 34, we find this, the last part of verse 34. He sinned yet more and hardened his heart like my Pharaoh. He, talking about Pharaoh, what knows what it says? And his servants. See, we kept reading about Pharaoh hardening his heart, Pharaoh hardening his heart, Pharaoh hardening his heart. But now we read this. Some of his servants' hearts were hardened. Let me tell you something. You affect other people. Your life affects other people. And you say, well, I'm going to harden my heart. Yeah, but other people are going to get their hearts hardened too because of it. We're all leading somebody. You may not know. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's looking towards you. You say, well, nobody's looking. I don't My kids are looking towards you. My boys are looking at you. For leadership. So they're looking at their dad. No, they're looking at you too. And it's a sad commentary that it said, He and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord has spoken by Moses. And it's a sad commentary. Here's what we learned from Pharaoh in this chapter. God dealt with Pharaoh, and it affected other people. And sometimes it affected other people for good. Uh, some people saw, Pharaoh doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm going to fear the word of the Lord. But other people said, you know what? I'm with Pharaoh. Let me ask you this. I know you're an example to someone. Are you a good example or a bad example? Can God use you to say, man, that's an example. Could your life be in, in the hall of faith, Hebrews 11? By faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did that? Or would you be the Pharaoh that God said, I raised you up for one reason, to show you as an example. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the church and thank you for Bible study time. And Lord, I know sometimes sermons like this aren't the finest to preach or to talk about. But Father, we need to learn from Pharaoh's life that there was one purpose to his life and that was to be an example of what not to do. And Lord, I pray you'd help all of us to realize that in our lives. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen.